everybody. Welcome to Checks, Mix, and Chill. This is a podcast about different life topics told through a generational lens. So, Stephanie, today you and I are tackling a, a topic that we have no experience in whatsoever. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and that topic is parenting. Insert baby screams and <laughs> yes. Cheerio crunching on the floor. <laughs> Is that what parenting is? Is it just like Cheerios falling off the counter all the time? It's got to be. It's got to be. From what I've seen. <laughs> From what I've seen, there's Cheerios everywhere. <laughs> you sit down on a couch, there's a Cheerio. It's probably been Cheerio. there three months. You know. That has not stopped me before. <laughs> That's why you have dogs. So, yeah, awesome. we, are, we are both mothers to fur babies, but not human babies. Not human babies. Not human babies. But we're, we're looking at parenting through two different lenses. So in this episode, we're going to look at um, millennial parents because insane, but 80% of births that are happening right now are to millennial parents. Crazy statistic. It's blowing my mind. I so don't know that I believe that. Like that was, I was like, is this an alternative fact? Because that doesn't sound right to me. Um, all you need to do, Kat, is just look on your Facebook. And <laughs> I think it will probably reaffirm that statistic for you. I know. It's true. Everybody, everybody's having, everyone's just pooping out babies left and right. Well, on our podcast today, we have a mom and a dad from two separate families to talk to us about their experience with parenthood. And like how, like, did they have any conversation around how they were going to afford a baby? Because it's also interesting, like millennials are scared of it, but we also like don't have a lot of like financial literacy. Um, Like we weren't, we weren't taught how to like save money strategically, like no, no generation was like, um, and so it's, it's interesting to me. I'm like, are, are these fears real or does it also kind of reflect like, we don't know what we don't know. And so it feels a lot bigger. Like, I, I'm interested in knowing, like, how people decide, like, how much of that money conversation actually comes into play if it's, a, if it's planned, right? If it's unplanned, that's its own thing. I'm Sasha, and I am a full-time marketing associate, but I'm a fuller-time mom to Maisie, who's two, Ruby, who uh, will be 11 in May. And I also have my dog, Biscuit. My husband and I both work full-time. We have a blended family because he obviously had his daughter from before, and I had my dog from before, so we're like the Brady Bunch. Maisie goes to an in-home daycare part-time, and then she goes to my mom's house part-time. So when she was younger, we did we went to the um, Mommy and Me, and we shop at Baby Consignment, and we take our leftovers to the Women's Battered Shelter, and I feel like... I'm, this is, I'm like a mom of the times, not that I'm, you know, making waves or changing lives, but I feel like I'm pretty standard for what's out there right now. My name is Chris Strong, father of one and a half. Um, no dad jokes, but I definitely have been working on my dad bod and it's looking pretty good. We, uh, we definitely never talked about cost and, uh, what that was going to be like. Everybody always told us if you're trying to save and plan for affording a child to abandon that right away because you're not going to be able to do it. There's never, you're never going to know what it's going to cost or, I mean, you can estimate, but 
it's not worth your time and energy to try to figure it out. And we never really talked about that, which is kind of a good thing. But now that it's happening, <laughs> you know, it's, this is all expensive. So I, I have like been scoping out some like intense Twitter conversations about parenting. Um, and so like there is this huge thread around like how much did having a baby cost you? And granted, I don't know. There's obviously like different generations because they're like 22 years ago, it cost me this much. Um, and people remember it, but then there's also like, like, what did somebody say? Hang on. I wrote it down. It was like, um, my insurance company paid 15,000 in 1999 and 9,000 in 2001. So like the health insurance benefit drop off between within like two years even was like six grand. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting too, because, um, healthcare is, I don't think millennials totally understand how much of an issue healthcare is going to be for our generation. Um, but like, yeah, oh yeah, the younger ones are for sure. Um, but even that is like, yeah, if your parents have a job with health insurance, you know, like, um, and I don't know, I thought it was really interesting because I'm, I'm like really interested in this idea of like, people people like just bash millennials for being selfish and like not growing up and it's like you can't really afford to do any of this like like home ownership is at like one of the lowest it's ever been amongst millennials for people our age and like um between that and then like we have to pay for nothing's included anymore like nothing nothing gets included with a job no company car there's shittier and shittier healthcare um like all of that. And so we have to find that money on our own and pay for it out of pocket. And then on top of that, most of us have student loan payments. And so like, there's not money to have babies a lot of the time or, or put a down payment on a house a lot of the time. And so I think it's, I just think it's really interesting that there's, um, like having a family, I think is going to become an accessibility issue rather than like, it used to be like a reproduction issue. And obviously that's still a part of it, but, um, it, it like people people will not be able to afford to have children um but like nobody's talking about that and like what a problem it is it stephanie it was fucking heartbreaking like oh. some of like there was mostly women who who responded actually on this thread um but like one woman was like i'm still paying off the bill from the hospital and she turns three in april and i was like <sighs> what the fuck dude and that's like not that's like not debt on stupid shit right like that's not you oh had to go buy a new God. iphone and yeah isn't that nuts and um you know people were saying like i had you know a 500 hundred dollar co-payment and my, but my insurance paid twenty five thousand. you know and yeah. so like um healthcare costs not just insurance but like what your insurance company has to pay hospitals and and other providers it's like it's i'm like this having a family is not going to be affordable for people it's already that way right it just hasn't caught up with the masses yet um and i don't know how much like how much more economic pinching has to happen for you know like for that to fully kind of be embraced but i was like this having a family will not be affordable before long um which is which is like i mean that's forget donald trump like that's 
going to be the fall of the American empire is like, like <laughs> nobody can afford to have babies. And if like, that's, that's the stuff that happens in third world countries is yeah. that like you, you then like try to do it from home and like, you know, infant child and infant mortality and um, the mortality rates are going to go up. But then also um, when you do have them, everything is less stabilized also because you can't even, I, I, I just don't, th- I'm like, what's, how is this the American dream? If you're both working, you're able-bodied and you're both working and you can't make ends meet. Like, how is that? That's, Mm-mm. there's something wrong. You know, yeah. there's something wrong if, bo- if the parent and or parents are working full time and can't make ends. There's something wrong with that picture. And yeah. And, like, you can only kind of accept the narrative that, like, maybe they're doing something reckless and irresponsible for so long before you're like, ah, maybe this is a scam, actually. <laughs> like, maybe the system is what's wrong here. Like, this is, um, it I can't, it could shouldn't you be like imagine? this. Could you no. even imagine? Could you I mean, imagine what? paying a hospital bill for three no. years? No, because then, I mean, I don't know about you, but spending time with any child for any significant amount of time, you realize like they are like accident prone. Oh, I know. They and, just like, and they're sick all the oh, time. Yeah. And could you, and I mean, God forbid, like that kid, child breaks its arm or something significant happens, then you have a whole nother hospital bill and you're not even done paying for the first one. Right. That's, that's the best <sighs> case scenario. If the baby is healthy and you're healthy, and you know you don't have any so right and and then there's like the added expense of like you're also at best you have short-term disability through your work as a woman and you get 60 percent of your income so you're also also part of the expenses at least 40 percent of your income while you're on maternity leave yep and then you know and then and then you can it gets trickier to quantify but if you have to take time off and you miss big meetings that depending on how competitive your career field is, mm-hmm. that makes you less likely to be considered for promotions. Mm-hmm. And like, we know this, we know that new moms get passed up for this type of stuff because they're people kind of see it as like, you're going to be pulled in a lot of different directions, which is true. But like, I mean, it but, should be yeah. <laughs> but also the men should be pulled in different directions if they're new parents. But um, yeah. And so it's, it's just, um, hang on. It's, um, I don't know, like it, just reading this thread was just heartbreaking because, mm-hmm. because then, and then, you know, there's like all these people with like from countries with good healthcare who are like, oh, I paid like $20 for my baby. Oh my God. <laughs> I had twins. And I was like, okay, so you have a $10 copay per human. That's great. <laughs> Shut up, Canada. We don't, <laughs> we don't need that input right now. Yeah. And like Norway was like, oh, I didn't have to pay anything. And New Zealand didn't have to pay anything. And oh my I was like, okay, we get it. We get it. <laughs> we get it. God. And also, I just read, sorry, I'm reading the thread again, and somebody goes, I paid exactly $20 for my cab ride to the hospital. Hashtag Canada. Oh, my God. (laughs) All I'm saying is our systems can be whatever we want them to be, right? Like, we can have that, but we have to. We have to fucking demand it. When when oh childbirth is cheaper than your St. Patrick's Day bar tab. Right. Yeah, it cost me less to birth this human than it did to call a lift to get to the hospital. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, 
that should be the American dream. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that it will become like, instead of being, you know, $60,000 in debt because you need to have the latest PlayStation, does it then become this family debt where you're maxing out credit cards left and right so that you can have a child or once you have a child, like, you know, we all need Disneyland annual passes and we all need, you know, whatever. They need the best Nikes or, you know, does it become something like that as well where people are then just going further and further into debt trying to keep up with that where they had no money in the first place? If you read between the lines of the American dream, like I think that happens a lot. And um, I saw that I would say other than like my grandparents who experienced the Great Depression, um, and saved every single penny they could and never went out to eat. They didn't They didn't splurge on anything for the most part. Um, other than that generation, we have just, mm-hmm. it's been debt. And it takes different forms. And millennials have um, really low credit card debt com- like compared yeah. to other generations at our age. Um, but the, but a lot of people are saying it's not, it's, we just have debt in, student Mm. loans or it's it's everybody still has a ton of debt it's just millennials are less inclined to do it through credit cards which i guess is good because that's like the most expensive money you can borrow except for like a payday loan Mm. basically um and so i think i don't know i think i think that could potentially happen but um i i also think in terms of that's kind of like the keeping up with the joneses component um but I don't know. Millennials are also, it, I guess it, it might not be mm-hmm. in a house, you know, like where they want to keep up in terms of home ownership. But I think it comes out like um, we like our gadgets. Mm-hmm. I think we're a generation that likes gadgets a lot. And so whether that's a new MacBook or our phones, um, potentially things mm-hmm. like shoes and that type of stuff. But um, yeah, millennials are, we're just as much into consumerism as other generations. I think we just how we consume is different, right? Like we like, but the money is still being spent. It's just on different things and in different ways. If you wanted the cookie cutter house and the, you know, picket fence, you know, you had to get a good job or, you know, you, the wife had a secretarial job on the side or, you know what I mean? There was like this, it seems like there was this very like, well, if you want it, you kind of have to work harder, figure out how you're going to get the money for it. As opposed to, I feel like nowadays it's like, well, why don't I have that? I think everyone should have that. I, it just, for some millennials, and that's a total generalization, but for some millennials, I feel like um, it doesn't, you know, really equate like. Right. Well, and there, you know, there is, there is that representative from Utah who made the comment that like, you know, if people really want healthcare, they should consider not spending $800 on a new iPhone. And I was like, first of all, even with insurance, your co- your your deductible is more than $800 a year and it resets every year. So eat a bag of dicks. You need to edit that out. But that guy can go eat a bag of dicks or leave it actually. And that guy can eat my poo. Nobody, nobody's like having, everybody kind of has this conversation that like, if you 
just save your money and spend it differently, things fall into place. And it's like, that is absolutely, well, it's absolutely true to an extent, but then there's also just like, you can be pulled in too many directions, even if you're responsible and you're clipping coupons, you're doing everything that you can to save those pennies. There's still too many things tugging at you in so many ways. And I think as soon as you have a baby, like this, this article that I was reading with, um, Hang on. It was on CNN, CNN Money. It was saying that this was, granted, this quote was for 2014, this estimate, but it cost $245,000 to raise a child through age 18, which is, if you break that down annually, that's over $13,500. And I don't know anybody who saves $13,000 a year. um, Right. Of any generation. I mean, there are, I think it gets easier once you get further along in your career. And then if you have dual income, that yeah, no. becomes more realistic. But like, no. I don't, I don't know a single person <laughs> who's saving that much money. E- even in like my own family, <laughs> like who's saving $13,000 a year. And that, I don't know if right. you know the methodology included things like there's a foundation, like there's a college savings account, right? Like where you're putting some money aside. I don't know how... I like I don't know how methodologically they calculated this, um, but it's more and more. I think people mm-hmm. are starting to understand that family planning isn't just like ob- obviously there's a biological component um, and a reproductive component that you're controlling for. But family mm-hmm. planning is also increasingly financial um, because there isn't any relief. And my, my sister's actually a really good example. So she and her husband are both teachers and they had my niece and child so in Colorado oh child care is also um Colorado is one of the most mm. expensive states in the country for child care because there well there's not a ton of providers um so it's it's kind of like a scarcity thing but then on top of that there's regulation there's kind of a lot of regulation of child care centers um that makes it harder for so they they're broke the quality they get quality ratings and so like a four star is the best and if you can send your kid to a four star facility you're going to and so those are all packed but then they're also really expensive mm-hmm. and not but like the the quality rating is meant to like drive improvement and and encourage these people but it's like there's such a shortage that that doesn't always happen anyway mm-hmm. um And so my sister is a good example of this where like they had my niece um, and they're both teachers and they had my nephew at a a point where Mm. they wouldn't have to pay for two children in childcare at the same time. Um, And and I have I have a friend when I worked at the state who did the same thing. She had she had two kids (gasps) who were about two years apart. And what they paid (laughs) in childcare costs was more than their mortgage in Colorado. Yeah. So it's a it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like depending on your support systems, you can save some money. Right. Like if grandma and grandpa can watch them or if you have like a friend in the neighborhood who can do it, there are obviously ways to help alleviate that expense, but not for everybody, certainly. And also, why would that ever be a reality (laughs) that like you can spend more on childcare than on your mortgage and but but that kind of goes to show mm-hmm. it's like well thank i mean if anything happens right and her her husband works for the department right, of public health right. and so if they cut epa funding that's a very different situation for them right we're like that lifestyle is requires two incomes yeah. um and, and but like that's i get why that's scary for a lot of people and why 
a lot of the millennials that we talked to said, I want kids and I, I think I will eventually get there, but I feel like I don't have my ducks in a row. Like I feel like financially it's too risky to do this right now. If I were to give advice, I would say do it because you don't know, like you're never going to strike it rich all of a sudden. If that's what you're waiting for, you know, just to be in that monetary comfort zone, it's never going to happen. <laughs> so just cross, cross that off your list right now. Get the thought of the obstacles out of your head because they're going to be there forever. Don't, don't uh, dwell on that because it's not anything you can control. If you if you want to have a kid, then do it. <laughs> if you're not sure, then you probably should wait. And I think that brings up a good point too about, you know, people feeling financial that financial burden because really when you look back on um you know, how families were structured uh even in the last two generations is there wasn't as much going out to daycare because you really, for the most part, most families had one person staying at home and usually the mom. But, you know, having a parent stay at home is super easy. Then you save those costs on daycare or childcare. And I think as our society has evolved, you know, we don't, we're still not really set up for that. And I would even say there's kind of a stigma around still working moms. Since Ruby's my stepdaughter, we only have her part-time, um, but Maisie's all mine, so I have her all the time. <laughs> uh, but because I work full-time and my workload is crazy nonstop and it doesn't care if I have kids or not, um, sometimes I have to stay late at work or I have to just do one more thing once I get home. And so that makes it tough because I feel like, oh, I missed out on that thing with her and Sometimes it's no big deal. Sometimes it's a bath that she gets every night and, you know, I can just catch up on it tomorrow. Other times it's something a little bit more special that I'm like, oh, I really hate that I wasn't able to be a part of that. So it's kind of the balance between working um, and spending that valuable time with, with Maisie because it's it sounds cliche like, oh, they grow up in the blink of an eye, but it's really true. And, and you look at pictures that you feel like we're yesterday and you were like, wow, that was really a tiny newborn that wasn't just yesterday. That was a big change. And that was a long time ago already. Kind of sociologically we have evolved, you know, like, but I, I would say a lot of workplace culture still hasn't. And a lot of public policy that impacts how families are able to function hasn't evolved either. Um, and I don't, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that disconnect, right? Like, um, but it's, yeah, the, the childcare piece, that expense used to be built in. Um, and, and, but I think that's kind of what we're seeing is that millennials are the generation that's like, nothing's built into anything anymore. Right. So like the, the company car is no longer built in. So now there's a car expense or you have to live near a city where there's public transit, even though that's more expensive. And, um, the, the childcare piece was built in and then, um, like on the job training was built in. Now you need, now you're expected to go get a college degree for that as like a bare minimum. And so there, there's kind of like, no, no, nothing's included with your purchase of being American is how I feel. It's like, no, this is just like your base, right? To just get to exist here, which is great. I'm digging it. I'm really happy I live here. But like, it's like, it's like your base model package, right? Like nothing's actually included in anything anymore. Um, and I think that's kind of where the strain is coming from. 
I used to work uh, the last like eight years of my career, I worked at uh, universities. And what was super interesting was there were a lot of um, staff members who felt like once they were able to get a job at the university, they were set. They could start having families because on on most university college campuses, depending on your role, you had access to university housing. You had access to childcare because there's usually like a de- you know developmental center childcare for you know students to work with you know daycare and preschool st- students. Um, you know usually had okay benefits, um, and then there's this community around where you could you know still go to the arts and all this stuff. So. It was interesting to kind of, a lot of colleagues I had started families once they got their jobs at the university, which is super interesting when you think about the idea of tying a college degree to kind of making it and being able to as a consideration, because a lot of university jobs, you have to, I mean, for the most part, you know, if you're going into higher education, you need some higher education uh, credentials for that. That that's a podcast episode in and of itself. <laughs> like like that whole dynamic is a podcast in and of itself. Ob- obviously, like for every generation, I think having children, you there's an obvious kind of like economic shift that happens internally within the family dynamic, right? Like babies are expensive. That's been pretty consistent um, ac- across the board. But I think that people of today's generations and and like eight you know they were saying what like 80 percent of births that are happening right now are by millennial parents which is nuts like Mm -hmm. i all of a sudden we're like old enough to have babies and that's weird (laughs) like (laughs) like i don't know because i like babies are having babies is how it feels like and i i don't mean baby in a patronizing way i mean it like we feel so young in so many ways um But people feel so like like it's out of reach and but like nobody's really talking about that. Like nobody nobody's really talking about how it's it's a problem if people feel like they can't have they can't afford to have a family. That's weird. That's mm-hmm. that's like a weird political and sociological shift going on because societies are built around the family unit. Like sociologically speaking, That is how culture gets created. You know, it's just pockets of families all over the place that then make up a community and then a culture. And then you kind of move the ripple effects out from there. But when that shifts, we we talk about how the family unit is shifting in terms of um, political changes like same-sex marriage and, um, you know, people being childless by choice or same-sex couples adopting. Um, Those types of things are happening, but nobody's really talking about the people who are giving up families out of financial fears and and stress around, can I actually even do this and give my kid a fair shot? And that's what we'll talk about on the second part of our episode. But I think so that we feel a little bit better going into this week, we'll give you uh, some parting words from our two guests, Sasha and Chris. And so I feel really fortunate that I'm a millennial mother and that I was able to make it through these huge obstacles in order to be a happy, healthy mother to an awesome, loving kid. I can share a terrible story with a little bit of advice. Um, The little onesie thingies that have the little uh, straps on the shoulders, uh, they actually have a purpose. And um, it's for when 
your baby has a nice huge blowout and instead of taking the onesie over the baby's head and getting poo all over their head you bring it over the shoulders and down and down you know through the poo again so it's not getting on their head it's just getting on their legs (laughs) 